Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Man and the Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host Ali, as always, and joining me as usual is Dave and um, fresh off the tonight's fixture, uh, Simon. How are we, chaps? Well, I'm uh, fine. After we get in right. Well, it's a good job we were coming to that game last. So, um, on, on a happier topic, we'll start with Friday night's game, Dave. Um, one you were fairly pessimistic about uh, last week, and coming away with a two 0 win, Callum Wilson and Joe Linton both scoring and assisting to each other. Um, how was the game for you? No, it was like it was like watching paint dry for the most part, but <laughs> we just waited until they, you know, they, we got well, they got tired and then scored twice at the end. It was uh, probably planned, but <sighs> it's about as good as it gets for us, you know. Points are points. Not going to complain about winning away from home. Um, we did what was required to win the game, and that's good enough for, for this week. So, you know, well, Palace without Zaha should be beatable anyway, and they were quite poor, to be quite honest with you. They um, they huffed and puffed a bit. They didn't really have that, that quality. And in, in Wilson, we do have that quality, so that was the difference, really. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's the big thing with Newcastle and the... Who you would say would be like the, the bottom half relegation for their tight teams? The quality you have in your starting eleven, even when you're playing boring or bad, you've you've got that bit of quality that can just drag you over the line at times. In Callum Wilson, in Hendrick, in Shelby, um, you know the the defence isn't bad, and it's obviously set up to defend well or not give away chances. So. I guess so long as that keeps happening, you're, you're going to either nick results or, as you say, you know, you were bored to death for most of it. Yeah, uh, a lot's been said recently about Newcastle and how they're playing and how they're not playing and you know what they're, what they're not doing and what they are doing and all this kind of stuff. Fundamentally, our season is not going to be decided by how we play against Chelsea. We're, we're going to lose anyway, most times. I think people were upset at the fact that we barely tried. We didn't really put a glove on them. Um, if you're given the choice of beating Palace away or Chelsea at home, you're probably going to say Palace away in our position just because they're more likely to be in and around us in the table. Um, I think 40 points is the target. And if that means you've got to find three teams who are worse than you, then you know that's, that's where we are. But personally, I think we should be aiming higher than that. But I think it's fairly apparent that the owner and the manager aren't capable of getting any higher than that. So um, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. And we'll just take each game as it comes. And if we win, then great. And if we don't, then hopefully it's a week closer to take over time. 
Yeah, that's that's the that's the ultimate goal. Simon, did you see much of this? And um, anything Adam wants to say? Uh, I didn't. I, to be honest, uh, I I didn't watch that that game on Friday night. Um, I, I just saw it on match of the day. Although when when I looked at my phone to check the score. I assumed that there'd been a glitch in the matrix because I'm sure that I saw Joe Linton scored and got an assist, which <laughs> doesn't seem like that that should be allowed to happen in in professional football. But um, I mean, I suppose that, you know, Dave sort of summed it up there pretty well, hasn't he? It wasn't great, I'm sure, to watch, but three points, three points. But I, I was interested before the game. There's, there's a lot of talk flying around. Um, that Bruce might have got the chop had you lost a um, bit of dissatisfaction with some of the players in training. I don't know. Do you think that there's any truth to that, Dave? It sounds too good to be true, but I think there was a lot. Of, a few journalists picked up that some of the senior players weren't particularly happy. Um, Lascelles and Hayden were mentioned, and uh, another one of the journalists broke on Friday morning that St. Maxim had been dropped the bench, and then minutes later he pulled out a train with an injury. Um, Apparently, Lascelles was also only a sub, and he then didn't travel. So, whether these are coincidences or not, I don't know. Whether just people trying to make a story out of a slow news week, I'm not really sure. But I personally would be very surprised to see him get sacked unless a takeover is imminent. Because I've been down this road before with Pardew, where I yeah. to anyone who listened, I was like, it, it doesn't matter who we appoint to replace him; you can't possibly do any worse. And then we appointed John Carver, who very nearly did do worse. <laughs> um, Greatest uh, coach in the Premier League, wasn't he? According to himself. Well, now he now he puts now he puts the cones out for Scotland. So, and and tell you what, who's just qualified for their first tournament in 20, 20 odd years? So, yeah, make, draw your own conclusions. But but no, I mean, if someone said to us, you know, Bruce going to get sacked, and you're going to replace him with Eddie Howe or you know another manager who is of least Premier League credibility, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah. But I very much doubt it, um, unless there's going to be a change at the very top, which we all up here want but it seems like no one else is won't let that happen so I guess we're just waiting to see on that front yeah to, to be fair I, I think you're right on that like, as you say unless it's a takeover Mike Ashley all he cares about if as long as he's still in charge of the club is just staying in the league and Bruce will do that so why would he sack him well exactly no I, 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 my worry well not worry but my thought process was that if these senior players have gone to the very top and said look Bruce is terrible is what he does his train methods the way we play um sorted out or all off in january um yeah now with this three or four or five of them gone to him and said that and mike ashley's trying to keep the value of the club in order to sell it he might think oh christ hang on a minute <laughs> you know yeah. steve Bruce isn't worth this um <laughs> but i think it would take as i say three or four of the of the very best players to go and do it um and i mean fundamentally we won without all three of those players on on, on Friday night, and uh, I think it was a it was a win for Bruce in every sense. Unfortunately, so we'll um, I guess it rumbles on for a week, and, and now everyone's got COVID at our team, so our our, <laughs> our fixture on Friday is in doubt. So we'll see how that goes. So Friday night again for yourselves, Dave. Against us. Against the oh. against Simon's Villa, but at the at the minute our training ground is closed because there's been an outbreak of COVID. Uh, I think four players have got it, and I think again reading paper stories, at least one of them played on Friday night, which means there's a good chance the other eleven have got them as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's just wait well, and see. <laughs> at, least, at, at least you're up to thirteen from the table. So I mean, uh, positive. 
bright, bright note and positive, positive takeaways and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the rules are. Like, there must become a point where you just are allowed to reschedule the fixture. You would think. I think so. I, yeah, you'd you'd have to. I mean, the Premier League must have spoken about the, with the with the teams once it gets to a point. As long as you know the players aren't seen to be breaking like the the protocol and and such, and it's just been one of those things. Um, you'd, you'd have to imagine that once so many first team players are out, um, it, it's a rescale of fixture. Unfortunately, it's just where you fit these fixtures in. Um, no, but again, it's just one, such unprecedented season. Uh, oh. I think we well, just don't know. No, I mean, I guess we're we're going to be able to have a cup in January because we've uh, drawn Arsenal away in the third round. So <laughs> I imagine fourth round weekends looking pretty advertising now. If, uh, if Villa fancy being knocked out as well, so <laughs> we we've got Liverpool at home. So and. Unless Liverpool fancy making a bit more of the game of it this time, then then uh, I think we might be progressing. <laughs> Simon, I, I feel you might be playing the same team you've played in the League Cup. <laughs> yeah. When we were at the Club World Cup. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I feel it might be quite a similar team. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we'll move on from Friday and we'll, we'll go on to the mighty Liverpool, um, who was the early kickoff on Saturday. Um, Brighton 1, Liverpool 1. Liverpool, I feel... Not lucky to come away with a point, but a point was well-deserved for Brighton, um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a day, well, missed penalty, uh, an offside goal, uh, a Diego Jota, basically solo goal, uh, a Manny goal disallowed, and then a 93rd minute after review penalty for, for Brighton to equalise. Um, well, um, like... We'll come on to later for yourself, Simon. The the offside goal for Sar, mm. one of those ones that it, it may possibly be offside, but the lines that Far draws just so inconclusive. The the first penalty definitely penalty, no arguments. Um, Sadio Mane was about five yards offside, no complaints. <laughs> and for me, the the penalty at the end was a penalty. Um, Robertson's kicked him. Um, the the reaction from Welbeck is is. Almost as bad as a certain Englishman's one tonight. Um, Don't know what you're about. Don't you want to come on to that? Um, so that justified Brighton got the point that for me they thoroughly deserved. Liverpool looked terrible until the second half. Um, another injury to, for Liverpool to to contend with, um, and also the rumours coming out of tonight that I, our goalkeeper has COVID now as well. Just just to add. Jesus. To um, did any of you watch this and anything that you that you disagree on there? I actually thought VAR was okay in this. I think every decision was was just about correct. Um, I, I mean, I know the offsides are always a bit contentious, but it's kind of like you're you're either offside or you're not. There's none of this sort of clear and obvious in there, and we've got to trust that the lines they're drawn are, are are correct, which I know we can debate over and over again. But you know. Assuming they're correct, then I guess he was a toe offside, and say Marnie was a mile offside. Um, so, yeah, and the, the penalty at the end, <laughs> I mean, you have to say he doesn't play the ball, and he takes a mighty swing, and Welbeck does what, you know, what players like him do, which is just get a foot in and just wait for the contact. And if it happens in the middle of the pitch, you get a free kick, so it's a penalty. Like, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because of the timing of it, but I, I don't think you can really argue with it. 
100% no arguments from me at all. Um, I was arguing with Liverpool fans, actually. They were saying that, you know, it's about the, the clear and obvious mistake for VAR to overturn it. But it's a penalty. It's, it's no matter what. If, if a penalty is given or not given, rightly or wrongly, that's a, that's an obvious mistake. You know, because such... I think if it had been a free-kick matter, I, I wouldn't have seen the need to overturn it because it's not, you know, a free-kick's not such a a pivotal moment in a game. You know, it's not a game-changer. Um, but a penalty is always a game-changer. It, it had to be overturned and, and changed for me. There's no... I just don't know what you... I, don't, I, can't, I just can't see an argument in it either way. Yeah, I totally agree, to be honest. Yeah, the, you can argue it's um, the way he's gone down is, is a bit over the top, but he, he, he has he's kicked him. <laughs> he's kicked him in the foot, so it is a penalty. Yeah, yeah, no argument with me. So we'll, we'll move on for the, from the Liverpool game. Just I, I'm, I'm done with talking about injuries and COVID stuff for Liverpool. We can discuss them with, with other teams later on if we need to. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're having such a terrible season. We're still joint top of the league. That's, that's how bad it is. Um, well, Dave, you, um, you called this one pretty much spot on. Um, if Man City can he beat Burnley um, 5-0, then they really are poor. Well, Man City 5, Burnley 0. <laughs> uh, Mares hat-trick. Mendy even scored a goal. Um, and Ferran Torres with the, with the other. Um, I can't say I've seen any of this whatsoever. I was just, when I checked the score, just wish I put your bet on now, Dave. I know. Uh, I think it's the third time in a row they've beaten them 5-0 as well, which is ridiculous, really. But um, it was absolutely everything we thought it would be. Uh, Burnley aren't equipped to deal with the way Manchester City attack. Like, it's, like a, it's like a perfect match for, for Man City in terms of how... Uh, how the how they attack and how Burnley defend. Um, Bailey Peacock Farrell playing goal for Burnley, which I think was his Premier League debut, but he, he escaped an own goal towards the end, which would have made it six nil. But um, it was it was just very very one sided. Uh, I don't think we really learned an awful lot from it. I I, 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 always, I always expected Man City to win, and I always expected Burnley to lose, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, Simon. Um, I don't think there's anything you can really add to that. Yeah, I mean, this is a game that Burnley were never going to win. And yeah, this game that you expect, the fact that Man City put five past Burnley shouldn't really have been a surprise to anyone. And yeah, it's just one of those, isn't it? Just move on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, results couldn't have went any better for, for City this weekend. I mean, if they'd won their game in hand, if everybody had won, as they should have done um, and they'd won the game in hand. You know, there's still a, a fair chunk of it. Although they've, they're only 11 just now, you know, but if they win the game in hand, they're up to they're up to four-fifth, depending on goal difference. Um, and all of a sudden, it's not looking so clear for, for those teams at the top if City do hit that form that we know they're capable of. Um, I mean, what do we make of City? Are they still the, the City of old or is it just one of those seasons that you know four or five wins in a row are going to get you there I think <laughs> you go so I've said a lot I was, I was just going to say I think kind of what Dave said about this game I, you haven't I don't think you've, you've anyone has, can really learn or take anything from it because you, you take that game in isolation then obviously yeah you look at City and think oh okay you know that's you know 5-0 swashbuckling performance going forward 
But that's that's the only time this season where they have performed like that. So I think you, I mean don't get me wrong, there's they've got capable players, definitely, but I think um I don't know, I I think come Come the end of December, beginning of January, I, I think you'll have a much better idea. Because I think it's not just City, but I think the whole league is still trying to figure it. Normally, after 10 games, you look at the table and it looks like you'd expect it. This season, that hasn't quite happened. And I think the combination of, you know, no crowds and, you know, everything that's gone on with the pandemic, I, I think it will take a bit longer for the table to sort of feel its way out so it will naturally finish up so I think you'll have a better idea on, on what, what City are capable of doing probably at the end of December Yeah I was going to say that now they're through in the Champions League they can really go hell for leather for the league for the next um, well month as Sai says I mean they, they could play you know, pretty much any 11 in those two women in Champions League games they're going to top that group I'm pretty sure they've won all four of their games um, They have yeah Yeah so that's in the bag I would say Um and they can just focus on picking up pretty much maximum points in, the, in their league games. Um, De Bruyne had a rest on, on Wednesday against Olympiagos and he looked very, very sharp here. But I mean, again, you're going to beat what's in front of you. So there's bigger tests to come. But the, 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 I think for their sake, it was good for them to know they've still got it in them. Um, you know, bad teams don't win 5-0, like in, not at a Premier League level. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're obviously still a threat. And I think if they're, very, very capable of going on a run of you know three, four, five wins, and then all of a sudden the table might look very different. And of course they've got Fulham next week, so two perfect games in a row. Yeah, it's perfect for them. Um, and the, the, again, the fixtures could work out quite nice. Obviously, we're looking at home the Wolves um, and Tottenham have got Arsenal, so you like the two teams um, who. Ultimately, are like this. This the, the pace setters just now um, could both quite easily drop points this weekend again, um, and all of a sudden, Man City are, are laughing. Mm. So after that game, we had quite an entertaining game. Um, Everton now leads one. Although scored by scoreline doesn't suggest it. Um, Rafinha with quite a tidy finish again. Um, but Leeds come away with a one no win. Simon, what's your thoughts on this one? Um, great game to watch. <laughs> really, really entertaining. Um, I kind of, as, as it was getting towards the end, I was thinking, oh, is it going to be similar story for Leeds uh, to last week against Arsenal? You know, played very, very well, created lots of chances. It just seems to be lacking that bit of quality up front. And then obviously Rafinha pulls that one out the bag. Um, yeah, I think something like 35, 36 shots altogether in this game. Um, to be Leeds, I think we've kind of said it before, haven't we? But they'll either be like get a, a battering from Leicester or Palace, or they'll completely dominate a, a team. And um, I think if they if they had a better, so I know Bamford had a decent start to the season, obviously, but if they had a, a, a properly good striker in that team. I think they they'd have a, a real sort of t- uh, tilt at the top ten, top eight, because they play some of the foot when they're on song, they're absolutely brilliant to watch. Uh, it kills me to say that because I'm not a fan of Leeds at all, but you can't deny that they're very very entertaining to watch. 
Uh, yeah, I think they're, um, they, they remind me of Liverpool in 13-14 without the, the strikers. It's just, you know, throw, yeah. you know, throw everything forward. Because they aren't very good defensively, you know, it's a bit scrappy. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just always going to be entertaining to watch. I mean, I think it helped Leeds not having any fullbacks in this game, if I remember right. I don't think they had any other starting ones. Um, yeah, they didn't. They changed to a three. Tom Davis and Alex Wobie as, as fullback. So I think that definitely helped them, um, but take nothing away. Uh, Dave, what was your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it was a, it was a very enjoyable watch. Um, it looked like it was going to be one of those like good nil-nils for a long time until, uh, until Rafinha broke the deadlock. But um, I think uh, this was another feather in Bielsa's cap because he got it spot on in how he set up. Um, I think Ancelotti moved to the wing-backs last week against Fulham and they stuck with it this week despite having you know no wing-backs. So um, I, I did, I'm pretty sure he ditched it at half-time and bought on Fabian Delph, or he, he, he did something anyway. But it, yeah, um, he did, yes. I think they lost Dina on quite late in the week to quite a serious injury in training. Um, and it was It's quite apparent how how much he supplies for them, particularly Calvert-Lewin, who was probably had his quietest game of the season, um, without having any real supply line. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how they cope with that. Um, so, it, yeah, it's... Um, these two teams are going to be two teams who can go and beat anyone on their day, I fancy, but they're also going to have days where they have total off days, which we've seen from, from both sides now. So um, it might just be a case of who can who can string some results together to who will finish higher, but both are in very good hands with their managers. It's just, you know, injuries and things which are going to determine how that turns out. Yeah, I think that, that that's a key sentence for a lot of teams that we'll, we'll talk about is... Like they can beat every team, but quite likely get hammered by a lot of teams as well. Um, it's kind of just a, a, I'm not sure if it's just the season or just these two teams with the players they've got, but um, it's just it's just mad. Um, I mean, that's Everton dropped down eighth now after the start they had. Um, must be disappointed in a way, um, but I mean, still a very good start. 16 points from 10 games. I'm not sure the last time they had. Such a good start. They've never been, or never that I can remember, been really good starters in the table. Um, I mean, where do we think Everton will and can finish? I'll go to you first, Dave. Uh, well, a few weeks ago, I was fairly sure they were going to get in the top six, but they're throwing a result like this, and you know, as I say, they've lost a few to injury, and all of a sudden they look quite average. Um, I did think after last week that you know Richarlison was really the difference between them being you know top half and top six, but um, they were found lacking here. But like I say, like, playing as lead is a bit of a it's a bit of a wild card, isn't it? Like they're not um, yeah. they're not your conventional team, and I think as we've seen with as we've said with Leeds lots of times is that they'll upset some some good teams, um, and then they'll go and lose to your Palaces and you know teams like that. Um, so I'm tempted to say, you know, I wouldn't read too much into them losing this because it, it's literally just who comes out on top on the day in terms of how the how the managers cope with Bielsa's style of play. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Yeah, I, I don't think any team really wants to play Leeds. Um, Simon, any predictions for yourself or uh, Everton? I kind of don't. I don't know. Sam, I can sit on the fence, but I, re- I just don't know. I think if if they could play their full strength team every week, mm. it's a team that is capable of a top five six with a bit of luck. That first team could get fourth with a bit of luck, 
But, you know, as, as you said, a couple of injuries and it just... And, you know, they're not the only team, but there's so many teams that you take two or three players out and it just throws everything out the window. The form's gone out the window this season for everyone, it seems. So, I mean, they, they could finish as high as fifth or sixth. They could finish as low as 11th or 12th. I've, I've got no idea what's going to happen this season. It's so unpredictable. It is absolutely wild, isn't it? Like, I know we'll come on to like, tonight's results, but like, Fulham turning over Leicester at, at Leicester. Like, it, yeah. what, what chance have we got? Oh, <laughs> 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 well, you saw that coming. <laughs> well, speaking of predictability, Sheffield United lost again. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that the late kick-off. Um, Sheffield United are in a real possibility of going down with the lowest points ever. This is almost getting embarrassing. I'm starting to feel sorry for them. Um, West Brom won Sheffield United nil. Uh, I just don't even know what to what to say. I just don't understand how Sheffield United can go from the team from last season to just before the break, really, um, to to this. A, a Conor Gallagher 13 minute goal. And really, Sheffield United, okay, they had lots of shots, but they never really looked like they were going to score. Well, they, missed uh, some, they missed some guilt-edge chances, though. I mean, yeah. they probably had three or four, you know, I don't know what the XG was in this game, but I imagine it was heavily in Sheffield United's favour because they had some golden <laughs> chances. Right, that's your last one that I've never watched. <laughs> 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 we're not that kind of show. That's just, I'm not having this. Fair enough, I promise. Um, Never again. But right, you know, you can carry on with your discussion on it. Um, no, I mean, I, I don't think they'll get the worst points ever, because like I say, at least they're making chances. Like, we've seen teams who've come up and struggled to even you know, get in the opposition's box before. But uh, I, I actually thought this would finish 0-0, to be quite honest with you. But uh, West Brom nicked a goal, and that was... I guess it was always going to be one goal either way, but... I don't know, Sheffield United, I think they're in a lot of trouble, don't get us wrong, but I, I think it's a bit premature to still get the lowest points ever. Simon? Um, I, I think from the, well, is it 10 games they've played now this season? Yeah. I haven't seen anything um, that that would make me feel, feel anything positive about them. I, I honestly think that that they could have a real go at Derby's records here because <laughs> I, I mean we've been, they've scored I think they've, only, they've scored four goals this season and I've, I mean I've been saying it for weeks I don't I just do not see where their goals are coming from I, you know you can have if you, if you have 21 shots in the game and especially against West Brom and don't score it might be time to just pack up now and go home because if you can't stick a if you can't sit the ball away against West Brom from that amount of opportunities, I don't know when you're ever going to score. I, I take it back, Dave. They're, they're at home at Leicester next week. They're winning. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool have broke Leicester once again. Anybody can beat them these days. Sheffield United's first win next week. You heard it here first. Uh, I'd, I, I'd be really worried about them. I, I, I can't see how they're staying up. No, I, I can't see them. I really can't see them staying up. Um, it, it, it's easy to say, but I, I just one point after ten games, um, and they've played, they've played lower down teams. They've 
I mean, the way they capitulated against Chelsea, two, three, well, international break. I think it was just before the international break. Um, was just was just just strange. Um, I I do have a real a real worry for them. Um, as I said, Leicester next week. Leicester, I spoke about it tonight. I think that's two two losses in a row now. Um, they were flying high till they played Liverpool last season and never won a game for about eighteen weeks or something. I think it was. <laughs> um, so hopefully it's the same again and and we broke Brendan. Um, but we will come on to Sunday's games and a complete game of two halves here. Southampton 2, Manchester United 3. Um, Southampton going 2-0 up before half-time. Um, a few changes by the genius that is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And a 3-2 <laughs> win for Man United. Simon, what did you make of this? Um, another great game for, for neutral to us. Um, it's funny that you say a game of two halves. Obviously, from just a scoreline point of view, it was. But in the first half, Man U had a few decent chances in that first half. And it was... And Southampton played well. But again, it's it's two set pieces. You, you know, you, you give a specialist like War Prowse free opportunity to put it into the box, have a shot and goal. You know, you, you, you're asking for trouble. Um, second half, I mean, for Cavani, I sort of thought it was... a a bit of a gamble when, when they signed him and a player that they didn't necessarily need. But, I mean, he, he showed uh, both goals absolutely brilliant headers. I, I mean, the second one is great, but I love the first one, just the quick reactions uh, to get yourself in that position and, you know, because that shot's fired in, with power and it takes a deflection and to be in the right place at the right time and, and get your head and that was great. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of... Uh, one of my mates, a United fan, I was texting him during the game. And at full time, he texted saying, oh, you'd be annoyed if you were a Southampton fan. I said, surely you must be more annoyed as a United fan because that's kept Ollie in the job for a few more weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> it's what Ollie does, isn't it? He just does a couple yeah. of bad results and then just as if people are talking about it, he pulls one out of the bag. Um, see, on, on Cavani, I, I agree, I thought both his goals were excellent. And I never ever thought it was a big risk. I, I genuinely thought it was actually a good signing. Um, not specifically what they needed. I think we all know they need a proper centre midfielder and a defence. Um, <laughs> but like, I really like Greenwood. I really like Rashford. And I'm a massive fan of Martial. But none of them are what you call striker strikers. Yeah. So, you know, so Cavani can be that player, and he doesn't have to play every week because of those other guys. But Cavani can be that one who, because didn't Cavani set up the Fernandez goal as well? Yeah. He did, yeah. Yeah, it just just having that older head. We seen it with Ibrahimovic when he was there. Um, he just played a massive part for me. Yeah. I, I thought it was an excellent signing. Again, not not first choice, not exactly what they needed, but I think it's crucial for Man United to have a. Whatever the class is success this season, I think he's going to be very important. Um, I mean, Dave, what was your thoughts on it? And again, Cavani, what was your thoughts when they signed him? Uh, I thought he was um, a couple of years too late. I'm, uh, I'm always very sceptical of anyone coming to the Premier League at that age and, and adapting. Um, I think I've said that a few times about various players in different clubs. But, um He's, you know, he was brilliant when he came on here. Just 
I've said this before, that Martial should just watch Cavani play and just learn how to be a centre-forward because I, I don't rate Martial as a, as a central striker. I think he's much better coming from a wide position. Um, Definitely, yeah. But Cavani, he never stands still. He's always on the move and that's how he got the, the goals, pretty much, um, just by ghosting off, off defenders. Um, if he can get them 10, 10 goals, that's money well spent, um, especially if they get them three points like they did here. But I agree with what Simon said, where for all Salam would turn up at half-time, it was a corner, it was a free kick. Um, I think Walker Peters hit the outside of the post with a kind of deflected shot, but the rest of the play was all up the other end. Um, and McCarthy from Salam made what was basically a triple save at one point when I think he... Oh, it's brilliant, Green, that. Green, Greenwood shot, he spilled. Um, he saved Fernandez's rebound and managed to sort of flick it away before Fernandez had the tap-in, so... Um, yes, it was, um, you know, it wasn't exactly the Alamo, but it was certainly all, all Man United for quite a bit of that first half. But Southampton just got pushed back and back and back. And when you've got players like Cavani on the pitch, you know, the, the deeper you are, the more dangerous he is. So um, it was, uh, it was well earned in the end, I thought. Yeah, no, definitely um, a good one, good three points for them. Um, up to to ninth in the league, game in hand still. Um, which can take them to third place. Well, it can take them fourth. Gold off instead of getting nowhere near Chelsea. <laughs> um, but still, I mean, they win that fourth place. I mean, United fans maybe not happy because Ole stays longer, but in general, we've got to be happy with that. Um, where they're still really in a rebuilding rebuilding season. Um, Southampton in six, 17 points. Obviously got to be delighted um, with the start of the season. They will be hopefully slightly disappointed at a couple of the, the performances defensively, just not sitting as a bit too open. And as you said today, Dave, like from the Sunday game, you know, just the, they got pushed back deeper and deeper. Um, and that really doesn't suit their game. I mean, obviously their game's normally on the on the front foot and doing that to other teams. Um, so they maybe need to find a way to adapt against the teams who are going to do it to them. Is that fair to say? Yeah, possibly. I think um, they've missed Danny Ings, but they've managed to get, yeah. they've managed to kind of get by without him for a bit. But this was this was one game too many. Uh, I think he brings more to them than than just goals. I think that that one is apparent. So um, I think they've already was just about back for Friday's game or whenever the next player. So right, okay, that'll be good for them. But yeah, he's uh, so that not going to be any 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 real trouble. I think they're they're a solid top ten, probably top eight team if they can keep Ings fit. Um, they they just they're all very good at their jobs, and uh, there's not many teams beat Man United um, outside of the top, you know, the top teams. Uh, I know they've obviously fallen from grace a bit, but um, they're still very capable of, of results like this, with especially with Fernandez in the team. Yeah, definitely. Fernandez is phenomenal. So I love watching him play. Um, I really don't want to talk about this next game. I'm trying to avoid it. Um, Chelsea nil, Tottenham nil, and for one of the most boring games of football I've watched. Um, yeah. I'll let either of you talk about it because that's literally all I'm going to say on it. I mean, <laughs> when we say Mourinho is back, this is exactly what we mean. Like, he, he, I thought he Mourinho shuts, would both teams. He shuts down the big teams and he just beats everybody else, and that's basically that was Chelsea's MO for three years when he was there, um, and that's exactly what he's going to do here. 
I mean, fair play to him because he's turned that Tottenham defence, which had Joe Roden and Eric Dyer at centre back, into this unbreakable bond. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've got nothing to add. Like it was a waste of ninety minutes of my life. Yeah, Simon. Um, I mean, well, I only watched the second half, so I, I only had to suffer through half of it. Um, yeah, I mean, you would actually say just classic Mourinho, really. I, I suppose from Chelsea's point of view. You, they they didn't have like golden chances, but Tammy Abraham had three chances that, and I, I mean I I really liked Tammy when he was on loan. I so I loved him, and I think I think there's a, there's a good player there. But I think as Hasselbank said after the game, if you want to be the main man in the team that's going to challenge for stuff, those three chances you've got to be putting at least one of them away. If 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 you want to be you know, cementing yourself as, as that top guy at that top club. Um, but that was that was pretty much it, really, wasn't it? That's it, wasn't it? Like, you, you couldn't say, um, if Chelsea won the league, you wouldn't go, oh, well, you know, Tammy Abraham was the man. Like, he just he just isn't clinical enough yet. I mean, he might be. He's still very young, relatively. But there was three great chances he had where he, suddenly he just didn't even get, his, didn't get a touch on the ball. And it's like, well, you kind of, you know, you're in there. And you can't but feel like had Giroud been playing, they would have won. Yeah, I was just going to say the exact same. You, you think those, especially those, the two crosses from Reese James. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, yeah, for a striker like Giroud, they, you know, they, they wet dream come true when it's <laughs> coming, aren't they? Like, do you know what I mean? You, you've got to be, yeah. You, you feel if Giroud had been playing, he just took one of them away. Right. Okay. So as uh, I'm glad you mentioned Giroud. Is he the most disrespected, underrated striker in the Premier League? Well, possibly, but then you see how he finished that chance he had injury time and you go, well, maybe not. So <laughs> he's, he's, he, he is a conundrum in because, like, when he's not, he gets better every game he doesn't play, and when he does play, everyone says, well, you know, he's got flaws. It's. Um, did, did you see his header in uh, midweek in the Champions yes, League? That was. Uh, something <laughs> I mean, that's. Yeah, he's. I I really like Giroud. I I never thought that when he was at Arsenal that he was a striker that you could win the league with him as your only striker. Because uh, I think there are times where sometimes he's got that bit of a flat track bully status about him. But chances like that, that time he had, I, th- I think a pl- I think Giroud would be sticking them away because he in the air, he's a phenomenal player in the air. It's- yeah, um, 90 minutes wasted still. That's the, yeah. the, the <laughs> and it's a great result for Liverpool after our after our result on the So for me, I was delighted. We've had a, another terrible weekend, yet we're still joint top. Um, we'll move on to the late game, and um, I'm beginning to see why Chris didn't want to do the show anymore the way I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Roy Keane's onto something that Arsenal maybe got enough about them to stay up. Um, <laughs> I love that. Arsenal won, Wolves two. Um, I don't know how much I want to talk about that horror incident because it was just horrible to watch. Um, we had David Luiz and Jimenez clash ahead. Was it four minutes into the game? Um, I, I don't know. I know they were down for obviously about ten minutes, I think, trying to sort it all minutes, out. So yeah. I just kind of lose track of when it happened, but it was... Um, it's just sickening, isn't it? And I, I hope Jimenez makes a full recovery, but uh, I mean, you wouldn't expect it, would you? Well, oh. Wills, Wills um, said today it was a confirmed fractured skull. 
um, and was undergoing surgery this afternoon. Um, I don't know what that means. Obviously, the only fracture skull that I can recall is obviously the Czech one. Um, he had to wear a, a head guard. Not sure how that's plausible as a as a striker. Um, so, as you say, Dave, you can only hope there's a a full recovery there because he, he is a wonderful player, but more so just for his health, forgetting football. Well, he's just had a baby, hasn't he? Well, not him personally, but his wife's just had a baby. Yeah. And, uh, you just, you know, you hate to say it any time, really. Um, and as you say, he's, um, he's a brilliant player. He's, a, he's pivotal to what Wolves do. And you just hope, he, you know, obviously Ryan Mason's still in quite recent memory where he had to, he had to retire. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And you just hope it doesn't come to that. So let's, let's keep everything crossed that he makes a full recovery. Yeah, fingers crossed. And just, just briefly before we move off from that instant, I mean, thoughts on Arsenal allowing Louise to play on till half-time? It's just, it's just, it's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this, in this time, where everybody's talking about concussion. Like, why Ooh. even, why even chance it? Like, you had Rob Holden just there. I mean, uh, I think the, the there's an issue there with the uh, the actual like laws and like protocols around those things because, in theory, according to the protocols, they didn't do anything wrong. They did all the tests that you're meant to do. Yes, but that that's where you'd argue well. You know, should should that just be you know a scrap, you know, a flat thing that no, you've got to come off. But then, if he hasn't lost consciousness, I, I don't know. It's, it does seem a bit of a strange one. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's probably past the protocols, but surely common sense must come into it when you've got a defender there who's got yeah, <laughs> he's got blood pouring from from his forehead. Um, another man. I mean, the medical staff probably had a fairly good idea. Jimenez was not in good, not in a good way. Um, why even think about taking the risk? And mm. I know Louise probably wants to carry on because he's a professional, and that's you know commendable to an extent. But just take it out of his hands. <laughs> the thing with Louise as well is, I'm sure it's, it'd be quite difficult to judge if he is behaving erratically and if it's having an effect. <laughs> because I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, we'll, we'll we'll move on from that. Though. I think we all agree. Yeah, I think Arsenal, as you say, Arsenal done nothing wrong. The content protocol. I think that football need that independently need to look at the the protocol, um, especially all the talk on head injuries. Um, if they don't want the game to change more, they need to do more about it from now on. Um, but we'll go on to the game. Um, Wolves also took the lead through Pedro Neto, who's on great on a form this season. Um, Gabriel equalising and Daniel Podence, um who again is a, is a, I really like him as a player, um, made it two one, and then just kind of controlled the game um, as rules rules do. I mean, thoughts on the football side of things, Dave, for the game. Well, first of all, you you haven't said the line from when Neto scored, which is disappointing. But um, he, uh, he, as you say, him and Podence and. Uh, the young lad, is it Silva who who obviously came under Jimenez? They've got some yeah. they've got some exciting players. Obviously, you had Troyer in the mix who who played the full match for once. Um, they um, I don't know what's happened. What's got into Nuno? But he's he's obviously changed to a back four, and all of a sudden they've become this free flowing attacking team. It's uh, <laughs> quite quite a nice change for them. But um, yeah, Wolves are. 
quietly going about their business, and I feel like when it, when they don't win, we all make a big deal of it, but we, we don't really give them enough credit when they do win. Um, they, um, they're they a very capable team. They haven't really got that many weaknesses, have they? No, it was just, I mean, when they had the free, it was just creating chances seemed to be the, the problem. You know, they were very comfortable at, you know, counter-attacking. Um, I don't know, Neves never played... He came off the bench, so I don't know what was there, he was just rested. But obviously with Neves, Dendonka, Matinho, um, Neto, obviously Traore, I wonder if the contract negotiations are going a little bit better now that he's back in the team. But um, as you say, they're just a very capable team. I mean, a team that can have Conor Cody and Willie Bolly, who are quite limited centre-halves, you know, the kind of kick-ball, tackle-ball um, centre-halves, which there's nothing wrong with. They just never really look in trouble. Um, well, I assume that's been their worry, is that they've wanted to protect the centre-backs by playing a third one in there. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, they've decided now is the time to go with two. I mean, Cody is probably, again, quietly one of the most improved players in the league when you think his journey through the through the divisions um, to where he is now is like a, pretty much in England, maybe not a regular, but certainly a squad player. Definitely, um, yeah. He's very, very good at what he does. Um, and I do wonder if uh, we all kind of raised an eyebrow when they got rid of Matt Doherty. Um, but they've bought in Samiro, who's more like a, more a natural right back, um, rather than Doherty, who seemed to be only capable of playing as a wing back. I wonder if that was all. This was always the plan to go to four. Um, it would make sense, especially with the, the players they do have available, um, and losing Jota as well added to that. So that's obviously like a wide player that they now don't have. So, you know, it all seems to piece together quite well. So, I mean, obviously we don't know how how into the plans they knew about the, the Jota and Liverpool deal, but, you know, that could have been massive as well for them to, to make these plans. Um, Simon, well, I mean, we laughed at the Roy Keane comment. Um, <laughs> obviously, Arsenal aren't going to go down. We know this. But, I mean... How worried would you be if you're an Arsenal fan just now about the state of this team? Um, I'd be very worried after having listened to Arteta's interview on Sky because I, went, I had to rewind it and listen back to what he said and then think, have I watched a completely different game? Because he came out saying how well they played in the second half and they created loads of chances and he was proud of the effort. I thought they were abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. Aubameyang, I don't know what's happened to it. Well, he's, he's got a new fat contract and doesn't have to do anything anymore, does he? But I just... Yeah, as you said, they're not going to go down. But I don't... You kind of... You look at them in the moment and you struggle to make a case for them finishing any higher than, than 10th or 9th at best. Because there's just a complete lack of creativity in that team and you know we kind of joke about it every week but Mesut Ozil I, I think Artes has dropped a real clanger there I, I think he kind of when when he left him out you had people say you know there's quite a lot of Arsenal fans seemingly happy going yeah he's he's weeding out you know the, the people that aren't trying and the people with the bad attitudes but I think he's done it to the detriment of the team because there's just there's nothing there you, you look at them and you struggle to to make any 
any case for, for anything positive. I think they haven't scored a goal from open play since they beat Sheffield United, which I think was at the start of October, so that's nearly two months ago. Um, I, I, I think there's cause for concern then. You know, that, it's a year ago since they sacked Emery, and they were eighth when they sacked him. So, you know, you kind of... Do you think how how long do you stick with Arteta? I think there was always a feeling that they'd have to take a step back in order to go forwards, and they've kind of got themselves in a position now where their team is made up of players who might be good enough one day and players who are no longer good enough. They don't really have anyone who's ready now, um, with the exception of probably Aubameyang, who, as you say, doesn't look interested or they certainly can't find how to get the best out of him anymore. Um, I think... You're right about Ozil as well. I mean, to not even have him in the squad as an option is insane, mm. uh, especially when they voluntarily purchased Willian. Like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that with every passing day, that looks like a stupid decision. I know he got the assist, whatever you want to call it, for this for this game. But he, um, why on earth are they, are they go after him when? It's just, it, it just goes against everything that Arsenal have always been about, um, which is developing players. And not necessarily buying players who were, what is he, 32? Um, yeah. I know he was free, but he he plays in a position where they've got ample cover already. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I, I don't get it. Um, and they've got the likes of Willock and Saka and Gabriel, the centre-half, who looks decent. Um, and that's the thing, they all look decent, but they're not proven Premier League players yet. And it might be longer term that this works out for them. Um, but if that's going to be the case, they've really got to buy into this and say, well, you know, Arteta, you're going to be our man for, you know, three, five seasons, whatever it is, and then we'll take a look and see how you're getting on. But if they're expecting this to work now and for the next, well, whatever long the season goes on for, um, it just isn't. It just isn't going to work um, because they're not good enough. Uh, yeah, look, uh, the, the Obama Young uh, recontract is the second worst decision they made after signing William. Um, they signed William, who's 32, did you say, Dave? Um, yeah, I think so. I haven't checked, but he's, he's about... I mean, they, they, they signed a young William for £72 million the year before. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the Ozil decision. I'm not sure Arteta had anything to do with this. Um, I believe this has been done above his head. Um... I don't think he's a strong enough manager to make that sort of decision. Um, and if he is, he deserves everything that he gets because everything Arsenal are lacking is everything that Ozil would give you. Um, if that if if that decision's not come from him though, and it's come from someone higher up, yeah, is, no, that, is, is, yep. is that is that not in itself extremely worrying then? Yes, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's no positive thing to come from it. And I think every drop point um, just is better and better for Ozil. Um, yeah. He's, he's winning every week um, because he's tweeting the right things as well. So whatever you think <laughs> of him anyway, he's tweeting perfect opportunity every time. Um, <laughs> and it's always, you know, supporting the team. He, he's, he never says anything negative about the team. Um, so he's looking, he's look. no matter what happens here, he's coming out here looking like an angel. I mean, I it's, think it's, Arthur are very lucky there's no fans in the stadium. It's it's the old thing that um, players you know who who aren't playing seem a hell of a lot better, don't they? 
Um, yeah, yeah, I agree on that in general. But I mean, Ozil is one of the oh, best yeah. no, players yeah. anyway. Um, and then when you're creating nothing, it seems a bit stupid. You know, if you drop a winger when you've got twenty of them, fine. But if you've got no creative players in your team, and you yeah. drop the one who's pretty much everybody says he's not good at anything else but creating, well, yeah. you've maybe done something a little wrong here. Um, I mean, where, do, do, do you two see them? Like, would either of you two see them finishing any higher than mid-table this season? Dave? Um, no. I mean, there's absolutely nothing there at the minute to suggest they could they could finish even above 10th. Like, I said yep. this to a mate of mine on, on Sunday night, like, they, they are crap. Like, <laughs> there's nothing, they, they don't know how to attack. They, they can't build an attack. They, they, they've got Taney, who I like, who's as I probably should have mentioned him earlier with Aubameyang, as you know, players who I would say are actually ready to play Premier League football. Um, you look at the rest of the team. You've got Bellerin, past his best, hasn't really never really got back from his injuries for me. Leno's good shot stopper, but a bit erratic. David Luiz, very erratic. Um, Rob Holden, one paced. Thomas Partey, brand new at the league. Granit Xhaka, walking card. Um, <laughs> Joe Willock, Saka, both very young. Lacazette doesn't want to be there, can't be asked. And Ketia, very young. Um, Pepe, insane. Like, what's the point? Like, <laughs> cost, cost an arm and a leg and plays well against, I don't know. He'll, 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 score, he'll score twice against us and uh, knock us out of the cup, and everyone will say, well, you know, that's what they paid for, that's why they paid for Pepe. <laughs> Willian, an expensive flop. Like, who passed his best, just collecting his last pay packet. Um, what does that leave you with? Like, the, there's nothing I like about them. Yeah, I think. No, I totally agree. I think we was it last week we discussed when we went through team squads who you would swap. Was it not Arsenal? We discussed this. One? It was, yeah, yeah. And I like, I look at the table. I wouldn't swap them for again. I mean, you're talking. You've got West Ham squad. I think West Ham overall squad. Arsenal have got better individual players and in certain players, but as a squad and a unit, West Ham. Everton, far better, Southampton. Wolves, we just mentioned how solid they are all round. Mm-hmm. Man United, who are basically everybody's still mocking. We only, far better team. Yourself, Simon, you know, I still say he's one of the best. I mean, you could maybe argue Leeds, but under Bielsa, who they've, they've just got a better system. Um, I mean, we discussed your team, Dave, like on my first show back. Like, with a better manager, I think these would be good to watch. You've got a lot of good players in there. Um, there's just there's no one that you could really say, oh, I would swap Arsenal. Like I, I, for me as a Liverpool fan, like I, I can't even look. At, I've never seen Partley play that Thomas Partley um, to give you an honest opinion. But genuinely, the only player I would take out that Arsenal squad is Nitton squad. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I mean, I don't know what that tells you. I mean, I would have took Obama Yang from five seasons ago. Um, yeah. Well, you take and that, I would have took from five seasons ago. Well, you take Obama Yang from about six months ago, wouldn't you? Like he was, he was, he was great until he got his contract, and <laughs> then <laughs> all of a sudden, doesn't seem that, that interested anymore. It's funny how that works. Say eh? once you've got guaranteed yeah. three hundred thousand <laughs> in the bank. <laughs> um, we'll move off from Arsenal. Um, it's it's fun, but it's uh, you got to feel sorry for them at some point. I uh, I will go on to tonight's games. Um, 
Well, I'll, I'm going to let you take this one away, Dave, after your astonishment at Leicester <laughs> City 1, Fulham 2. Um, Fulham scored a penalty, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your, what was your thoughts on this? Uh, the, the big question is why the Fulham can be getting so many penalties? Like, who... <laughs> Yeah, when, when, when did they become the most fallible team in the league? Um, <laughs> to be honest, I, I didn't say much of this because I was at work when it kicked off, and then it was right, it was right on um, on baby bedtime. So I've seen the goals and uh, not much else. But uh, I've seen a lot of people complain that Leicester pitched up with five at the back against lowly Fulham, um, which seems like a fair complaint. I don't see why he would ever do that. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, that's it. Two one. Ah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, like I, like yourself, Dave, I was working. I, the, the, the only part of the game I did see was a Madison free kick, Thielman's volley, and somebody else, and the goalkeeper made a good, really good save. Um, and then, as I say, Lookman took his goal really well, um, and they scored a penalty. And I believe it was the boy who scored, who missed the penalty last week, who took it. Yeah, I mean, last week he, he slipped, so I guess he probably got a stay of execution. Like, it wasn't like he, you know, yeah. he, it wasn't like he tried to like trip it down the middle of the goal or anything, he just literally fell over, <laughs> which is arguably a slightly worse crime, but in a mind. Simon, thoughts on this game as your warm-up? Um, I, I didn't actually see the game because it just it was so inconceivable to me that it would be anything other than a comfortable less than victory <laughs> that I thought th- there's no point in watching this because it's just going to be a 3-0 walkover and then like I saw probably about 20 minutes before the end I thought oh, I'll just have a quick flick over to see the score I, I couldn't couldn't believe my eyes but um, I mean fair play to Fulham I suppose you, you know you've got to give them credit no one saw that coming at all um, so that, I mean, I, I still don't think that they will stay up because I think they are just very out of their depth. But that will at least give them some belief to, for them to go to a team like Leicester and be able to win. And especially when they concede that one goal to then hold on, that that will give them a lot of belief, I think, going forward. I don't think it will help in the long run, but it, at least it gives them a fighting chance of, of, of beating Derby's points total anyway. <laughs> Well, that's still on seven points now, um, and obviously out of the bottom three for maybe the first time this season. Um, hang, on, also, hang on a second, Ali. Who's who's back in the bottom three though? Burnley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel this could be a, 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 an egregious point come later on in the season, Dave. If Burnley are still down there, Sean Dykes doesn't deserve this. I'm all for Burnley going down. I don't care about that. John <laughs> Dykes doesn't deserve it. He deserves a big job. He should be the next Arsenal manager. He could be the new, that's, that's what they need. He could be the new Celtic manager at this rate. Well, <laughs> um, if, if the, the riots in Glasgow are anything to go by last night, um, I think they would take Holy Social at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite Arteta, though. <laughs> um, but... Um, I, shall, shall we move on from that, then, since none of us really actually seen it and. Apart from me, no one expected Fulham to win. Um, <laughs> right, Simon, the light is shining. West Ham, oh. Aston Villa won. Talk us through it. Well, I can't. I still can't really understand how we've lost that guy. Um, West Ham obviously took the lead after about a minute. It 
you know, even before the corner went in, I was looking at our defensive setup, thinking that that's all wrong. Like this is all wrong, and you know, as it as it proved, it was basically a free head at the back post. I thought Martinez was poor. It's the one first time this season, I think he's made an error. He he tried to claim that Antonio had fouled him. You looked, he, he hadn't even touched him. I think mean, Martinez should have been stronger and come and claim that. And the first sort of 10 minutes then, I thought we, we started quite sloppily. But from about 15 minutes onwards, we totally controlled that first half, got back in with a decent goal. Um, Watkins had a sort of decent half chance towards the end of it. Huran had a few free kicks. And going in at half-time, thinking that we were in total control here, just quicken up the pace a bit, start the second half. And, um, and you know, we'll, we'll come away with three points here. And then that second half start, it, we had to kick off, and 28 seconds later, they're 2 1 up. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, so it's, this is just going to be a carbon copy of the first half, and, and it sort of was. You know, again, it took us maybe 10 minutes to get going again, and then we just dominated that, the rest of the game because, you know, all the game was played in their half. We created a few decent chances. Treasure gave for the second game in a row. Missing absolute sitter. <laughs> like I, I really like Trezeguet for his work rate because he does work hard, but he there's such a lack of quality and a lack of composure in his game, and you know that how he's how he's missed that chance, I'll never know. So you're thinking, you're thinking, oh god, it's not going to be our night, and then we get a penalty. Now it's another soft one, but. If you're going to be stupid enough to tug at a, an attacking player's shirt in the box and he goes down, I don't see how you can expect anything other than a penalty to, to be given against you. So you think, OK, get a penalty, we'll equalise, and then we'll go on and win this. And Watkins, oh, God, just <laughs> levers it off the bar. They look for an encroachment. That's when you know you're really clutching up straws. If you think they're going to make it retake it for encroachment in the box. And then we get to the stoppage time and Watkins has his goal disallowed. I have you know, looked back at it a few times now and seen a few stills. I don't think, I don't think there's any conclusive proof that he is offside. The line that they seem to have drawn has come from his elbow. And I would argue the only reason, if he if his arm is offside, is because he's trying to shrug a, a banner off. Who's got two arms around him? So you could argue that that should have been a fucking penalty anyway. So I'm, it's just really, really frustrating. West Ham, two shots on target all game. And they, they sit them away through awful defending. And, and it's two games in a row now. Brighton last week, shocking defending and absolute bog-stand wastefulness in front of goal has cost us. It's just really, really frustrating. Question. Why was Watkins taking a penalty and not Mark Noble when he was on the pitch? <laughs> oh, for, I don't know. Plays for, for a different team? <laughs> Good point, yeah. Totally, totally. I was just looking at the lineup. I'm like, Mark Noble's on why is Watkins taking it? But that'll be why. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was waiting for the punchline there. I was, like, <laughs> I was convinced Mark Noble was a Villa player. Oh God! God, 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 God we've, had, we've had some bad players over the years. But come on, I, <laughs> I like Mark Noble. Uh, oh. um, 
God, what's it like? I feel like you one pace terrible football as your man. I don't know, I just, I don't know. I just like him. He was always good for me in Valley's football. Um, on the, on the, the disallowed goal, um, I, I keep watching it and I, I agree, like, there's no conclusive line that they can show us a still, um, which yeah. is always going to be the issue here. The only thing I'll say on what your point is, if it's a penalty or not, which I can understand if it's not a, if it's, it all depends on when the contact then becomes into play. So again, yeah. there's no conclusive minute for that that we're going to get shown. So I think if you then go down that route, we're, we're having the same discussion. You know, yeah. regardless. Well, uh, I mean, it, it wasn't, for me, it's, it's not like oh, you say it's a penalty. For me, it's a goal. He's, he's managed to shut him off. He's stuck it away. And I, I, I think he's, he's onside. We, we kind of said, uh, off pod before we started recording, I don't, see how you can possibly claim someone has an advantage when a defender is holding on to him. So <laughs> Yeah, I think that, I think that's I, the, I think that's the key point. And it's like fair enough if the attackers got hold of the defender then that's a different story. But when the defender literally has hold of him, he obviously doesn't have an advantage because he's been hauled back. So Yeah. Um I just I, I just wish really we could get rid of all this shit. <laughs> like Yeah. Like offside um for a hundred and what, hundred and fifty years of how long football's been going, like it's offside was brought in to stop goal hanging fundamentally. And none of the goals were seen disallowed by VAR for offside have got anything to do with goal hanging. Like just mm. just leave it to to the linesman to decide whether offside or not and we'll be no worse off. In fact we'll all enjoy it more. <laughs> well at least yeah, at least the talking points are then we're talking about the decisions. Like the actual decision. Not we're not talking about lines. We're not talking about that. You know the right or wrong. We're just debating. That's it. Just plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Football. Football just isn't the same. I mean, we can say it's without the fans, but it's nothing to do without the fans. Football's still the same. It literally is just. I mean, Simon, in that ninety-plus minute, were you celebrating when Watkins scores? No. Uh, that, that that that's the. Yeah, I think that sums it up perfectly. When it went in, I I didn't even I, I didn't even get up off my seat, like I, I, I no. cheer or celebrate or anything, because my first thought was, uh, what if he's offside? And he's that's any and, and that's any goal now. I mean, I have celebrated many a goal that was disallowed for offside before that. You know that you just you then look up and see you just celebrate, you go mad, then you look down, you're like, oh yeah, and that was it. You didn't care. You know, but at least you had. There's just no emotion in football anymore. You, genuinely, it's better to watch the highlights now rather than yeah. watch ninety minutes because you can't react. Um, you know, you can't have that banter with your pals or in WhatsApp groups because you have to wait and see. So it's yeah. like four minutes later, and then you're like, "All right, okay, hey, ha ha ha." Yeah. Right, doesn't matter. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I just. I think uh, the boss man put an hour and I watched it went, you know, football's gone. And it, and it, it really is, unfortunately, true. Um, yeah. And it's only going to get worse. But I think, kind of, I think, in a way, a lot of you know, managers who complain about it now, they've sort of only got themselves to blame, though, because they spent years and years and years slating officials when things went wrong against them. But they had no problem with 
things going wrong for them. You just you've got the surely that's that's what football used to be about. What's it, it would go for you, it would go against you. You just got to get on with it. But but now it's it's just ridiculous. And, and again, the, the the managers kind of doing the same things now. They'll complain about VAR, you know, dodgy decisions and cheap decisions when it goes against them. But when a ridiculous decision goes for them, like uh, you think um, the uh, Patrick Bamford's offside thing the other week, and like Roy Hodgson went, well, they'll get no sympathy from me. Well, that's the problem. Then you, it's, there's no chance of VIR ever going away because managers, you, you can't have that actually. Uh, do you know what? That's hard to, it's hard to argue against, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's true. It's like, be careful what you wish for. I mean, I, I still think VAR is very much needed, but I just don't understand how football, the biggest sport, with the most money in it in the world, um, can't can't do it properly. When you look at cricket, <laughs> you look at tennis. Um, I mean, even American football, rugby, everything is very efficient. You know, a minute at most. And we're just, just miles behind and just... It really is just losing, losing the world will to live. With, to be honest, um, I think with, with a lot of those sports, though, the use of technologies, like something like tennis, it's a very definite: was the ball in or was it out? With cricket, yeah. it's a definite: did the bat, did it hit the bat, did it not? I think with football, there's a lot. I think the only definite things that you can have is if has the ball gone over the line, was the foul inside or outside the box. And were you offside or not offside? Everything else, you can argue, is subjective. Yeah, I think, again, like for VAR, I think, I mean, we spoke about it in the Liverpool game. The, that that penalty at the end isn't given without VAR. Yeah. And that was a penalty. Yeah, but then that's, that's just kind of one of those things and that you, that but, you, but, you, you, yeah. you just got to accept there's going to be human error. But yeah, and again, but I, I think this is why this is why I will always defend VAR. Not the officials, not the officiating, but that that goal could relegate a team like Brighton. Yeah, but then you can say if you look at um, the Manu West Brom game the week before, the penalties initially given, and then through VAR, that referee then it, his subjective opinion was oh no I, I'll overturn this so I can't I understand the point you're making that you'll without it you will get things that are penalties not given but then you will you're getting with it penalties that should be given not be given so I don't I don't see where where there's any <laughs> that, benefit for it that that's the standard of officiating not that yeah. and this is this is my this is my biggest issue we are all I mean, I, I, I mean, and this is a decision. Remember, that's went against my team. It's cost me three points, and I'm still glad that VAR was in place there. That the, the correct decision for any, and this is my point. I'll always make for any job that you are in, for just like yourself, for Dave, for me. If you've got a piece of technology that can make your job easier, it should be in place. The problem is, it's imbeciles that are running it. <laughs> And yeah, they are making it easier for themselves, and I'm not meant to say that clearly, um, but <laughs> I, I just don't care. It's it's true. It's to that point now that um, 
But, you know, when they're getting it right, it's great. You can't argue it. But it's still, there's just some that are just absolutely ludicrous and it, it makes no sense and takes the enjoyment out of it. Um, and obviously, I don't know where we go with it. I don't think it's going to get better at any season soon. <laughs> but I, I do believe what we need for in the game, if it's going to get decisions like 93rd minute penalty against us, um, I mean, that point could be massive for a Brighton in 28 games' time. I think we could keep it for penalty box instance and, you know, red card that's fair, off the ball. That's and... outs, yeah. I mean, that's probably the way. I mean, do we really need it for, like, you know, like the throwing going the wrong way? Um, or, you know, I mean, the sink, things like that. I think the handball rule, um, the handball VAR has just gotten ridiculous. Um, I think we're seeing far too many penalties, far too many penalties for that. And again, it's that very subjective. That, I mean, that's that's an issue. I mean, I, I still like the just no handball should be a penalty. Well, uh, uh, is it too simple to say? Can you just give the fourth official a telly and just say, right, you you, <laughs> you have a look. We don't need any lines or anything. You have a look. Yeah. Or or whoever's <laughs> in charge of our isn't a referee, or well, as a trained referee, but isn't. One of the referee club, you know, they're independent adjudicators. Mm, I don't know. There's got to be some. Well, I say there's got to be something better than this. Like the, the, I think we can all agree it was better before all this came in. Hundred percent. I mean, my biggest issue just now is referees are too scared to overturn each other. Like, why are why do we get announced who the VAR official is on the ref, from a referee member of the team? Yeah, because uh, he isn't going to overturn, and that's the same. If you've got a young referee or a newer referee, and then you've got a, a Mike Dean as the as the VAR referee, and Mike Dean says that was a penalty, well, he's going to give it because he's not going to want to say no to a senior official. I always think it's a bit rubbish as well that when the refs go to look at the screen on advice of the VAR, they inevitably end up giving whatever they've been advised to give. Like they never go, "No, nah, actually, you're wrong." Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> that, that pride that needs to that needs to go as well. Um, I mean, maybe we see VAR being better once, you know, younger and newer referees are coming through or, you know, got less an ego about them. Is that maybe a... But, I mean, how long do we wait for that? <laughs> well, that's it. It's, uh, as, well, as we say every week, like, we're not talking about decisions any less, are we? <laughs> it's, well, it's, uh... we're talking about the sport. I mean, we could, we could all... At least we would be debating whether it was a foul or not between ourselves. No, we're not ever doing that now. You know, we're just talking about... Well, is it his shoulder, his toes? Yeah. His strand of hair. Ah, well, that's it. It's, it's tiresome, and I think. Yeah. It's just with offside, and this is always going to happen. Is that when you microanalyze the offside rules, it's like, well, yes, you probably will find things wrong with a lot of goals in terms of like where the body positions are and that kind of thing. It's just like if they're more or less level, they're onside. And, I've, and I've said this for week, well, for, for months actually since VR's come in. If if you're going to be analysing it to that microscopic level of detail, then the law has to be changed to if any part of you is level, you're onside. Because if 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 no part of you is level, that is a lot easier to, to you, you can just see it, you can see it straight away. If any part of you is level, you're on, and and then everyone knows where you stand. Then it's not, you know, let's pick an arbitrary position on the armpit or the upper arm or the elbow, which is just ridiculous. Well, yeah, 
I don't know what to add to that, to be honest. Dave, anything for yourself? No, I mean, I think people have said before, like, it would be very difficult to bring in if you level in any way, um, just because there's so many different connotations about how you would set up to defend, say, a set piece, that kind of thing. Like, there's, there's a lot of things that would change with that, but I just, I'm of the opinion now, haven't you know, we've, we've trialled this for how long has it been in the Premier League? A season and a half, maybe longer? Yeah, this is the second season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've just had enough of it. I, I, there's n- nothing really beneficial from it for me. Um, yeah, nothing positive. The, so far. the 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 pros don't outweigh the cons by any way, by any means. Um, no. I, 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 all right, it's, it's great when it goes fire, but it's like as a neutral as well. Obviously, you know, I'm only bothered about one match a week in terms of how it really affects me. But as a neutral. It must be killing the game like abroad, and people watching our people watching our league like they must be thinking like, watching it going, what are we watching here? <laughs> we took three minutes tonight in injury time to decide that Ollie Watkins was slightly offside by drawing some lines with a protractor for three minutes of a last minute equaliser that should have been you know. Yeah. Jubilation, and instead we spent three minutes looking at a screen, going, "Well, if we draw that line here instead of here, he's offside. Should we do that? Yeah, well, we'll probably do that. He's got hold of him, ah, but you know, he's offside. His toes offside. His, his armpits offside. What a load of shite! Like, <laughs> I think this should be a thirty-second time limit on it. Yeah, well, I agree. Yeah, if you can't, and, I mean, and, and no video should be allowed to be slowed down either, because then it's not a clear and obvious mistake. Yeah, definitely. But. Anyway, we'll move on because I, I feel we can rant on VAR for another 30 minutes and I will be happy about that. Uh, <laughs> tell, the, tell the listeners where they can reach you. and um, yeah, uh, On Twitter, at Sio Regan. And Dave, for yourself and any upcoming podcasts. Yeah, so on Twitter I am at CM9798 and uh, Champman on the Post is out this week. Um Tuesday, the 1st of December, whenever that is. Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow? Or today, if you're listening tomorrow. You know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it may be out before this one. It might, well, well uh, I, know, I know it will be because it's scheduled for 9 o'clock. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and who, who who's on... Uh, we have three guests this week. We have uh, Andrew, Andrew Lorne, uh, who you may know from some Norwich Circles podcasts and things. He has a book out about crowd chants and things like that. It's very interesting. Uh, we have Matt Richardson from Football Manager Therapy, and we have um, Ed from Champman Fancy Pod, um, which is a podcast about fancy football done through CM102, which is like right down our niche. So tune in for that. Excellent, excellent. Um, be sure to check out that, everyone. Um, Chris and the gang will be back on Thursday to preview the games that we're going to review next weekend. Um, so be sure to check that out. Um, follow Man in the Post on all your social network platforms. Um, just at Man in the Post, I believe. Um, if you're on Apple, um, because it's the only podcast platform I know of, um, give us a, a, a five-star review and nice rating um, if you enjoy our shows. Um, and that's it. Thank you very much, chaps, for joining me. Thank you. Cheers, Ali. And we'll see you again next weekend. Always remember to keep your man in the post.